Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette and this week we're chatting to Dr. Gobindajit Kar. She's a clinical psychologist and the founder of Seek Your Mind. We're going to be finding out about the charity and what support it offers. It was around 2015 that um, it began from Instagram. It actually began from my husband, if I'm really honest. Um, He was like, well, you're a psychologist and, you know, I'm just learning about mental health, being married to you. You know, people would really benefit. And I was like, oh, really? (laughs) If I'm honest, I was like, oh, gosh, okay. And so, yeah, a few years after that, um, I just started an Instagram page on on a summer afternoon. I remember it vividly. And and it kind of, um, and then I've got sort of colleagues and friends on board who who share the same same vision. So it just, um, yeah, it snowballed. I don't think any of us would have expected uh, what's happening right now with Seek Your Mind. That's fantastic. Um, what exactly does the charity do? So, so our, our vision is really just to um, it's, it's it's about mental health in the Sikh community. Um, originally, I think we you know we would say something along the lines of educating the Sikh community, but but it's more than that really because it's not just that they don't have a, 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 a knowledge base about mental health. It's having the appropriate conversations. It's um, introducing it in a way that's less shaming, less stigmatizing. Um, and it's it's sharing knowledge in, in a really accessible way. So we, we offer so many services now. Uh, we've been really fortunate to get like kind of donations and funding in various ways. Um, so we, we offer a telephone line and that started because of the National Lottery funding uh, last year 
I think it was, or the year before even now, which we've, we've kept going without the funding. And um, we've offered free therapy as well for about 60, just over 60 people, I think it was in the end. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, and we, we offer virtual virtual spaces, virtual groups as well. So we've got something running for students um, in collaboration with another organisation called Taraki. And we've also got a, a women's space that occurs fortnightly. And we're also the only organisation that I'm aware of that offers a, a mental health and and Sikhi course so it's bringing like faith and mental health and particularly the Sikh faith together to really kind of increase you know to, to really make it more accessible to people that probably wouldn't access uh, statutory services. Mm. And is it aimed at people of all ages I think maybe I was thinking because you said it sort of starts on Instagram it might be towards younger people but is it sort of all ages? Yes, I mean, it is open for all ages. Um, pre-pandemic, when we were, were also sort of functioning, we offered like work- workshops, um, drop-in uh, kind of support at, at local Sikh uh, Gordwaris. So so we, we have done that. And we actually see, and you're right, you know, right in saying about that actually social media is probably more um, favoured towards the younger generational I think it's kind of the like 20-ish to to maybe even early 40s. So we know that with that, having lived the pandemic life, we've we've been very much virtual. Um, It has been like a niche audience, but um, we're getting out there again. And we know that when we have in the past, we've had older generations who, um, because we were consistently attending certain places, they were actually, you know, slowly, they were feeling more confident to, to come up and speak to us about some of their concerns or just wanting to find out a bit more about mental health. Mm. Um, so what do you do specifically um, within the charity? So I'm, I'm a clinical psychologist by profession. Um, so at the moment, we, we, at, well, there's, there's three of us as trustees and, and we do a bit of everything. <laughs> it's uh, It started sort of... Um, we started in a very different way from probably most charities and we started in a very clinical way in, in terms of like the practical stuff what can we do how can we do it like clinically because that's where our expertise is and now many years on having formed as an official charity um, we've recruited an operations manager and a service manager so um, you know we, we're really thinking a bit more about the processes the um, like trust uh, the, the the charity kind of uh organization and how to make this long term my husband has a great um analogy that he shared many years ago and he keeps repeating it to me but actually it's it's you know instead of providing the the water we need to we need to get the well ready really and so so that's our long-term vision so at the moment we do a bit of everything from sort of organizing like the telephone line the rotor to kind of um more like risk and suicide training to answering instagram messages and attending sort of events and workshops so it's yeah we're kind of we're all jack of, of all trades i think at the moment Mm. I'm glad you mentioned the telephone line in there because I just noticed that on, on your website when I was kind of having a look about you. Um, can you tell us a bit about that and what sort of help it offers? So um, all of our volunteers are trained and, and we're open um, from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. every evening. And we've also got a live chat on our website because we know that it can be difficult to um, to speak on the phone sometimes depending on, you know, who you live with, who you're around and that kind of privacy and confidentiality. Um, and and we, we get a number of different types of calls. So we get calls for, for just a listening ear sometimes. We've had calls previously where people have wanted to be signposted for um, to access like therapy or more local support because these calls are coming from all over the UK and, and sometimes even worldwide. Um, you know, we've had emails and calls from like, 
India, Malaysia, um, New Zealand, like it, it, it's, it's incredible, really. So um, we just try and support people how, how we can. So it's, it's, I suppose there isn't an, an ideal call or a, an average caller. It's really sort of um, the support that, that people might need and, and really just giving us a call. Because I, I think now we've been around sort of fairly long enough that people know that we are, you know, planning to, to be around. This isn't just a, a fad or, you know, a year long mm-hmm. project. Um, we, we really do want to kind of be accessible, although we're, we're mindful that we are still a small uh, group of volunteers, hence the maybe the limited time for the, the sort of telephone line. But I think hopefully in the future, if we get more funding, we would like to expand that. Mm. But to be clear, clear with the, um, the phone line, it's more of a helpline and support line rather than a crisis line. Is that right? Absolutely, yes. We, we are really mindful of, of just kind of reiterating that to our callers. And, and if, you know, obviously that doesn't mean that we don't or, um, you know, or, or not. We, we do. We have had calls where callers have really needed that support. And, you know, we have contacted the, the agencies that, that needed to, to be contacted to make sure our callers are safe. Um, so, you know, we, we do know the processes. Um, and obviously working in the NHS, as, as most of us, uh, or a few of us rather, do in the team, um, we've got that kind of understanding. So it's, um, you know, I suppose one of the reasons I should have mentioned of it earlier is we wanted more of um, the support for the Sikh community that was like regulated in a way that, that you know, our professional um, mm. roles are on the line in, in this work as well. Because actually, obviously, if, if we do anything that, that doesn't quite sit right or is incorrect, that people can complain and there is a process. And often you don't get that kind of regulation in some charities. So we, we did want to sort of be that as well for the community to make sure that there, there are consequences if you don't offer the thing that you're saying or if you're inappropriate and unprofessional. Mm. So it's um, information and support line and it's um, 0333 210 and also loads of information on the website which is seekyourmind.com. Um, what kind of issues do people come to you with to the charity not just the helpline but in general when they're approaching you? It really varies. I mean, we've had um, sort of people wanting support with particular diagnosis because their family members have been diagnosed, um, lots of relationship issues. So whether that's kind of, you know, sibling, partner, in-laws, the whole kind of system. Um, We've had difficulties um, that people have shared with you know um i suppose marriage you know marriage choices uh, and we've got an event coming up as well um next no this week sorry around living with your in-laws so we try and shape our services to to what we notice is coming through but there's definitely um a, a wide mix you know we've I, we've had a, you know more contact than i do in my nhs role um as as you can imagine really of, of people the, the wider family calling to ask for help for a particular family member and and that that's you know mm. it's always really interesting because I suppose you can't really have that in the NHS because it's a there's many gatekeepers before you get to services really, um, so I think that's that that makes us quite unique that people can call they can share their difficulties or you know try and understand what's going on for for one of their family members that they care about and and try and think about how they could support them, you know and and often the difficulty is that person might not be ready and that's a real struggle sometimes but there are things that you know people close by can do maybe can have those conversations can offer that non-judgmental space so it really really varies um in terms of course we've got people with sort mm. of anxiety people who feel lonely grief um you know work-related stress 
physical health issues, you know, somebody with like a chronic illness, uh, how to manage that. So mm-hmm. it, it um, yeah, there, there's no sort of one size fits all. It is really everything. And we welcome everything. You know, if we can kind of support someone just by being available and listening to them and even signposting them to because we have quite extensive um, information about what's available in across the UK, which we're, we're constantly building on. We can signpost them to something more local if, if that's going to be helpful too. That's great. And it's great to hear that you support the um, family and friends too, because that's so vital, um, especially when sort of people are in crisis or well, even if they're not, they're sort of dealing with a long term health issue. I'm sorry, this is a very clunky question, but I feel I should ask it. Um, why is there a need for a mental health charity that supports the Sikh community specifically? Well, um, I mean, that's a good it's a good question, really, because um you know we're often clunked into the category of South Asians and I'm not a fan I understand why it exists but um, I also know that it's not a um, homogenous group of people actually there's so many differences um, you know faith uh, just cultural beliefs being just a few and so if you know I noticed I suppose that that in my role in the NHS and I work in a really diverse area um, in, in Birmingham that, um, that there weren't many Sikh actually there was nobody on my caseload about five years ago and um that that is changing which is which is good but I, I did I was curious where are people going then um if it's not to like statutory services and there's nothing else out there so it just felt really appropriate to offer something that that is specifically for Sikhs but that does not mean and has never meant that we you know if somebody else from any other culture or faith group were to contact us and they have um that we would offer them the same service but it's, I suppose it's it's kind of tailored because we do think about that kind of link between culture and faith and mental health. So there are lots of people who who contact us, lots of our followers who, who say, actually, I want to think a bit more about spirituality and my faith in relation to my mental health problems and in relation to kind of like meaning to life. And, you know, I suppose it makes it a little bit more individualized. And, and I think, you know, we couldn't offer that if we offered it to every, every single person. You know, I don't think we would offers as good a service if I'm honest Mm, it's really interesting um and I'm so glad that if you also work in the NHS because I think you have some very interesting thoughts um in terms of my next questions um how do you think that other mental health charities and the NHS in general can um can better support the Sikh community I think there's, um, I think that there's definitely a change, uh, kind of in the tide, as it were. I think people that services are trying to. There's a lot more, unfortunately, due to uh, the anti-racism, the Black Lives Matter movement. I, I do think often it is those really, really difficult situations that trigger a lot of change, at least in the short term. But hopefully, that's continuing. Um, people are thinking a little bit more about what, what what needs to be asked in an assessment or a session rather than having kind of Western models that are kind of the way to do it. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't always even work for non um, sort of ethnic minority populations. So we need to really think about the individual in front of us. And I do think the NHS and, and other organisations are, are thinking about it now. Um, and I'm trying to, there's, in Birmingham at least, there's projects that are, are coming into play that are about linking up with like charity organizations with non-statutory services knowing that the NHS cannot do everything 
because it's A, it's unrealistic, and B, it's severely underfunded. So it's recognising the limitations, but doing something helpful about it. So often in, in, in sort of my team meetings, we talk about, well, if, if we're not appropriate for whatever reason, there's always another option. So, you know, I, I think there is, a, I feel like having been in this um, profession for over, over 10 years, I feel like there is definitely more conversations about the NHS and its and it and its ability to do everything or, or not rather to, to be able to do everything and, and where else we can signpost people to and how we can work in a kind of pathway rather than it's one size fits all. Mm. And it's great to know that there are um, more specialised charities and groups like yourselves. Um, and because it, it does feel like we are quite lucky um, in the UK, it's, it seems to me sometimes doing this podcast that there's, there's loads of mental health charities. And sometimes I think, oh, gosh, that's a bit strange. Why do we have so many? But it's great to have really specialised ones, um, especially in, I can see the value in, in this case. And like, just for me, I've got a real spot, soft spot for Bipolar UK because obviously they sort of specialise in my one. <laughs> um, but for different people, it will be their, their own sort of things. It's difficult, isn't it, when it comes to the NHS? Because I think when you have that first point of contact with your GP, um, that can be a sort of bit sort of potluck sometimes. So it's great to know that there are sort of other places that they can be signposted to. Absolutely, I think. Sorry, but I was just going to say that, that we're in a yeah really fortunate times in some ways. I know not in, in many others, but um, there's something about um, for for us you know, the access to a clinical psychologist this quickly, like you pick up the phone and you can speak to one, is kind of unheard of. We're normally like, you know, secondary tertiary services. You just wouldn't, you wouldn't get to somebody as quickly, a psychologist at least. And so we're really sort of aware of, you know, that bit. And whilst we can't offer everything, you know, um, often the gatekeepers can really prevent therapy because of like notions around who therapy is really for, how someone can benefit, whether they're psychologically minded, you know, and I'm not saying therapy is the answer to everything. It, It really isn't. But you know, I've noticed that having that space, even if, you know, it's a different version, it's not therapy, it's like having a space for someone who is trained to listen, to help you make sense of what's going on is invaluable. I have to admit, I'm, I'm sort of fairly ignorant in terms of stigma in sort of when it comes to mental health and the, the Sikh community. Because um, I, I just know sort of more to do with my own sort of families that the older generations have a much harder time talking about mental health. You know, some of them just flat out refuse to talk about it, even if they actually have long-term conditions. And then the younger ones, it seems to be going in a, you know, much more positive direction. People my own age and younger seem to be sort of much happier. Could you tell us a little bit about, I know it's hard to generalise because every family's different, every person's different, but um, what was it like in terms of um, the Sikh community when it comes to um, talking about mental health and and getting help for mental health issues? Again, I think now it's it's changing. It's still not perfect, but sort of historically, I mean, the narrative was, oh, we don't have the word for depression in Punjabi or in in this community. We don't have X and Y language or we're really hard to reach. But actually, I, I I don't think that's actually, that's been the full story. Um, We do obviously have words. They're just not the, you know, there isn't an English equivalent, but they still describe a a similar experience. Um, And and, um, and, and I think the community has never really been hard to reach. Actually, it's been easy to ignore in some cases because there's such a narrative around like Asian populations looking after their own. 
And so, you know, input hasn't been needed from services when actually I, I would I would disagree. Um, actually, the support was really needed, but it's just not been offered or it's not even been. Um, I think a lot of people that, that call us in particular um, accesses for support want to know how to navigate the system. They want to know. At like pretty much what do you say to your GP to show that you know there's X service that you could access but they haven't offered it to you and so some of our conversations have been about just um, you know increasing confidence and in informing our followers and our service users to um, to to say you know use those kind of buzzwords really to to get referrals so I'm not denying the stigma and the, the kind of taboo uh, issues around mental health um, you know because that there are I think they're there for every community so it's not just kind of the, the Asian or Sikh community but I think it's it's a it's a bit more um it's a bit more complex than that. Um, you know I, I think generations as you said Yvette like the, the younger generations they're in a different place, but the reason they're in a different place is because, I mean, if you, I'm sure you're aware of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, our generations before us. So, so I spoke to my dad about this kind of semi recently. So his parents were all about kind of getting you to this country or a country that was safe, that was, you know, you could think about the future. And then he was all about, and my mom, him, him and his, my mom and, and that generation were all about kind of education, educating your children and get financial stability and working really hard. And it's only because of those generations can we, this generation, now do the work of like self-actualization of really kind of finding meaning in this life and what we're about. But we couldn't have done that straight away because the generations before us, um, you know, that they, they did those specific things. So so I suppose it's, it's thinking about it like that, like my, my grandparents and, and my parents really had no capacity to think about mental health. They just couldn't. It was kind of surviving at some points. So, so I think, you know, if we think about it like that, you know, we're, we're in a really lucky position, which means that now hopefully the younger generations, our generations can help inform like the wider system so they can help educate their grandparents. They can help have those kind of conversations. They can notice when their grandparents, you know, uh, changes in their mood or things that might have an impact on their mental health and hopefully kind of spread awareness in that way. That's fascinating. Um I'd also like to go back briefly to what you kind of touched on earlier about the um, the spiritual side of things, because we haven't really talked much about that side of things on um, Mentally Yours. But I think it's really interesting that you kind of mentioned it in there, because, you know, if you do have a faith, that must be um, a, source of, a source of kind of strength and comfort when you're sort of dealing with any illness or if a family member or friend is, is dealing with something like that. So it's it's really interesting that that's kind of an approach that you're sort of open to and taking because it probably sounds obvious, but that's not included in the NHS. You know, <laughs> when you talk to the doctor, it's very much just, you know, pills, therapy. Uh, no one ever says, oh, have you thought about maybe going to church or something or, or the mosque or whatever? Yes, definitely. I mean, you know, I, th- I think ther- psychological, the psychological world, at least, where, where I'm standing from is, is is changing slightly or a niche or a part of it is um because we're trying to incorporate the mind body and spirit that's slowly happening it's going to take a while there's a lot more conferences on spirituality i and my colleague did some teaching for university of birmingham recently on trauma and spirituality so it's it's definitely a a, a field that that's um 
more present which is great but yes I I do think um, we need to ask those questions just like we ask about trauma histories you know we're we're very problem orientated but we really need to think also about um, the kind of the factors that help the you know there's a a plethora of research around you know the the protective factors of faith religion spirituality whatever you want to call it because it it varies for everyone so uh, it's a shame that we don't ask but it's it has a huge you know there's so much evidence that suggests that it can be so helpful which isn't denying that it can also be traumatic there are sort of you know things such as religious trauma and using spirituality to bypass your problems but actually more often than not it seems to be helpful yeah it's really interesting um well from one big topic to another huge one um which is more negative i'm afraid um but i want to talk brief, briefly about the pandemic because i mean how can i not unfortunately um in terms of mental health how has that affected you your colleagues and the people that you support would you say yeah yes and I took a deep breath in um <laughs> sorry I mean, it's, no, it's I, I, you know working predominantly in the NHS that is is stressful um as you can imagine um it's stressful because the the you know the pandemic has as has been over the news it's not just a physical health issue it's, it's absolutely a mental health issue and there's so many more difficulties arising as a result of what we're all been through and going through. Um, but sort of personally, I mean, I've, I've struggled at times with working from home. I've really struggled. I've, I've noticed and learned something about myself. I need to be in a team of people and I need to be seeing people regularly. Um, but I, I think, you know, I, I can only speak for, for my profession, but I think we we have quite a lot of safeguards in place with regular supervision. And I have, you know, many, many like venues to go down, but also my own like spirituality and faith has been a huge part of understanding um, or making sense of of what, what the pandemic is about in, in sort of the lens of faith. And um, I think it was last year or the year before we did, we actually did some research as part of Seek Your Mind and looked at Sikhs and how they cope during the pandemic. And it was just revitalizing that it was very much, you know, the strengths and the resilient factors that the people were talking about and how faith was a huge part of that. So for me, and that was early on into the pandemic, I was... Um, I think I got a lot from that and, and that's currently um, under review for publication. So hopefully we can share that as soon as, as soon as it's, um, it's out. But um, it just, it showed me that, you know, whilst we're not in control of lots of things, there, there are other, you know, and I think it's really important to focus on what, what you are in control of. So even your day-to-day life, um, you know, because I, again, I, I had COVID a couple of years ago, again, pretty much at the beginning of, of the pandemic. And um, whilst that was a really scary time, I think, again, you know, my, my faith and uh, my kind of support network really helped in managing sort of how I, how I coped with that. So while it is incredibly stressful, I think for me personally, um, I've, I've had many things that I can lean on to help um and, and it, it's never ending though so yes it's the pandemic right now but you you look at the world and what's going on um even right now and it's just it feels like it's yeah it's like a tsunami of bad news almost and I suppose for me to to feel safe and you know I, I need to think about what's happening in my life here right now what I can do what I can't do um you know what what um what control I have over the things I can do and and it being meaningful on a day-to-day basis because actually if I think more about globally oh I think I would struggle Mm. well I love some of the things you said in in the end there about you know 
thinking about what you can do and what you can't do each day because that does kind of lead me on I think to my next question which is how can we help ourselves and our loved ones when it comes to mental health because that seems to me like some very good advice you know if you're feeling overwhelmed rather than sort of think about yeah the big picture for me it helps to think about sort of things one day at a time and as you said you know what can I what essentially what have I got control of and what don't I have control of and, and that side of things um, but um, what are your thoughts mm, absolutely like I, I think it's so important isn't it to 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 kind of prevent uh, feeling as overwhelmed or can't maybe prevent it completely is to to focus on the here and now because our minds are uh, minds are so powerful at going back and forth to the past to the future what's going to happen what's happened and just really be in touch with how we feel because otherwise it's a bit like a roller coaster and all of a sudden you wake up and you think I'm just completely at breaking point so just acknowledging some of those difficult thoughts and feelings and hopefully you know having this space whether it was one family member or a friend or somebody or even a helpline where you can where you can talk through some of what's going on for you and engaging in like I suppose it's similar to that engaging in the here and now it's how do, how do you feel in this moment and when we're not really very connected I think we as humans are not very connected to our body and so even coming back into your body to acknowledge and use that as a grounding tool so as a way to be more present because there is so much and there's constantly so much, even pre and, and I'm sure post pandemic that's out of our hands that we have very little, uh, you know, uh, control over. So it's really important to focus on on yourself because in in the Sikh faith and I'm, I'm really I should be more au fait with other faiths as well. But um, it, it's very much like you, you come into this world alone and, and you die alone. So it's not about being selfish. It's about actually you do need to look after yourself. Uh, because if if it's important and and the Sikh faith it is to to help others, you can only do that when you're looking after yourself and being committed to living a life that is based on like your values, that is meaningful, that you feel like actually yeah you want to get up for each day. So this is goodbye from mentally yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, you can give the Samaritans and Ring on 116123. If you like Mentally Yours, you can also find us on Twitter. We're at MentallyYRS. We also have a lovely Facebook group, which is just called Mentally Yours. And if you really liked us, you could do us a massive favour and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's much appreciated, uh, helps us, you know, continue doing what we're doing. So please do rate and review and check back in next week for more Mentally Yours. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.